Welcome to The Hot Seat, a sheer therapy podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Pam, and I'll be joining you every week alongside my girls, Denise and Cousin Dan. Every episode, we'll be having real conversations, including the good, the bad, and yes, even the ugly. Although we are three women in different stages of our lives, one single, one married, and one divorced, we can still share our experiences together with love, faith, and a glass of wine in hand, of course. We know you're going to enjoy listening in and riding along this journey we call life with us together. Listen in as we talk, as we get real, and as we get raw. Here we are. Sheer Therapy. Okay, welcome back to another episode of The Hot Seat, the Sheer Therapy podcast. I'm Pam. I'm Denise. And I'm Danielle. And today we're going to talk about dun, 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 elephant in the room, questions people don't want to ask. We're going to talk about Denise's divorce. I feel like I'm in the hot seat right now. You sure are. You are. Are your pants on fire? My ass is burning. <laughs> let it burn. Let it burn. So um, we're going to talk to Denise because, I mean, if you guys have heard before, Denise really loves associating herself of being a divorcee. She actually likes claiming being a divorcee more than she enjoyed saying she was a wife because I, I, I don't think she had enough hours to say she was a wife, but she really loves saying divorcee, my ex-husband, anything to do with divorce. She's very liberated by it. Does it sound prestigious to you, Denise? Like it's very prestige. It, it does. It does sound pristine to me when I hear the no, word. No, prestige, not pristine. What pristine is the difference? Means, pristine. pristine means squeaky clean, Denise. Like oh. clean, pristine. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm feeling pristine. Good. But no prestige. Sounds very prestige. No, maybe she feels clean. Maybe she feels clean. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But like, let's let's just jump right in because yeah. anybody out there listening, if you're considering divorce, if you are divorced, if you um, are married to somebody who's divorced, you know, sometimes there's questions people don't want to ask because they feel like you are crossing a line or something. But we're gonna cross the line today. Yeah, like, you cross it with me. Let's do a deep dive. There we go. So, I mean, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Uh, what? Why did you get married in the first place? Why did I get married in the first place? Um, and you don't have to make it sound pretty. We no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to make it sound pretty. I'm not. Um, so basically, what I always like to say to people, like I never forget what my mother-in-law told me that her son and I, we put the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. She always used to tell me that like, oh, you guys expect this to work, but you put the cart before the horse. So we had the baby first and we worked our way backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so we never had like a really rooted foundation in our relationship and how we communicated, but we just kind of jumped right in, had a baby and then thought, okay, well, now we have to follow by society's ideas and we have to get married now because I really cared about my image 
which is a little bit weird because it's like people will go, well, if you cared about your image, why did you have a baby first? You're right. Why? But um, I, I don't know why. It just it just happened. Shit happens. But I just felt like, okay, you know what? We did this. Let me try to correct the mistake and correct it as quickly as possible. So I thought, okay, if I marry the guy, then you know what? Marriage will fix everything. It'll make everything look good on the outside. And people will see that we're this family and that's just the way it is. And that's the image and the look I was going for. So I I, I married the father of my child. That's why I got married. Did you think about marriage? before previous to this like if you weren't pregnant when you were pregnant were you already thinking you wanted to be a wife one day no you know what's so funny though like I grew up and I always like I never wanted to get married I never wanted to get married and I'm not trying to say this because like obviously you know whatever you put out there into the universe people will always hear it but I never I never pictured myself being married or having children that was my ideal, my ideal goal. I didn't want children and I didn't want to be married. And I think it was because of the merit, the way how I saw my parents married and the way how I saw how they functioned, it kind of made me kind of turn away and say, no, you know what? I think all marriage is like that. So I don't want to, I don't want to be like that. It was very like the communication was always broken it was very combative in not in terms of like abuse in the home, but very a lot of screaming, a lot of shouting, you know, a lot of disagreements, a lot of power struggle. And that was something that I didn't. And, and I always used to think to myself, like, why would people put themselves through this? It, it just doesn't make sense to me. So my idea was no, like, I don't want to I don't want to have kids and I don't want to be married. But then again, I played I always played into society's belief that you're not as a woman, you're measured, you're measured by if you can produce children, if you can be married by a certain age, and you have to meet society's expectations, because if you don't, then you become like this woman on the shelf, and you've completely failed as an individual and as a person. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that stigma on me. So what I did was I tried to fulfill society's ideas and please my parents as well, especially my mom, and give her a grandchild just to appease her and make her happy. And that's what I did. I jumped in and I made a baby and then I decided to get married after. So you've been divorced now for, I mean, there's, so if people don't realize, I didn't know either until Denise went through it, um, you have to be separated legally for one year prior to being able to apply for the divorce. Yeah. So I guess including the separation and then now, how long have you been divorced, including the separation? Um, I'm going to say this year is going to be four years. Including. And so um, like at what point did you realize, or I feel like you kind of realized prior to the wedding that you were already going to be divorced, but like, at what point did you finally say like, this is enough, the, the marriage is falling apart and, and whose idea was it finally to actually get the divorce rolling? So prior to me getting married, there was a whole bunch of red flags and, you know, like, it's especially like things that I look back on 
as in like, you know, when you're going to be dating and when you're going to go through the dating process, it's always good to bring that individual around your closest set of friends and your closest set of people to vet them, to Mm -hmm. vet the individual because they can see things that you can't see. So for years, I mean, you said it, you said it so many times, you saw a whole bunch of things that you didn't like. Even your husband said it too, right? (laughs) I just thought it was funny. Like you were guys, you guys were together. I was the godmother. I am the godmother to your child. I was walking the hospital hallways with you guys while you were about to go have your C-section. And we never had a double date. Never, never in all those years. We never had a double date. I don't even think me and him had conversation. And I, I, to me as a friend, that's a red flag. Yeah, that's, that's beyond a red flag. But I used to do what exactly like what we discussed before. You kind of talk it down. Oh, it's nothing. It's, it's nothing. He's just really shy. shy. Mm -hmm. He's just shy. It's okay. But that, but when you look back at it, that's awkward. That's awkward behavior. Like, mm-hmm. it's like if if Zara comes and brings a boy home, if she doesn't feel comfortable bringing the boy in our home so that I can vet her, and if she doesn't feel comfortable bringing him to that dinner table for supper, mm-hmm. then chances are that's already an answer letting you know he's not good enough for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like some people can just vibe like, nah, nah, she's going to figure me out. I need to I need to fall back from that one because I can't I can't let her I can't go have a double date with with her friend because she's just going to see right through me and she's going to tell Denise. That's so. like, you know what? I never thought of that. I never thought of that until now. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause it's like, even with friends, like even as a girlfriend, like how many times do you do something, even hang with somebody that, you know, like if you bring her to your girl crew, they're going to be like, yo, why, why, yeah. <laughs> why'd you even bring her? Like, why you don't mm-hmm. talk the same? You don't not. Why? Why? I think it's the same. Yeah. It's yeah. the same thing. So, see we always fall we always that's how our conversations are so it always goes off into a tangent like it goes but, off okay so back back to this though who finally who finally asked for it but do you think there was one person who was at fault or do you think you guys both played roles even though you knew this was wrong to begin with to go into who do you think really played the biggest role into into this falling apart so when you ask the question, who who asked for it? I think like obviously verbally, I asked for it first, but through his actions, he he kind of demonstrated first. How's that? I mean, even the day that we were on the wedding day, <laughs> on the wedding day was just, it was so, his behavior was just so complicated. Like even, even when I look back to it, to our first dance, I didn't even like, I was cringing. I didn't even want to dance with this guy. Let me and just every- tell you guys, the wedding, <laughs> the wedding wasn't going to last because I wasn't there. <laughs> That's the real reason. Me and Dan weren't there. We weren't invited. So yeah. it yeah. was doomed. It was doomed. Go on. It was, it was doomed. Even that point, it was like, in my mind, I'm like dancing with him. I'm like, this is not, this is not where I want to be. This is not what I want to do, but everybody's here. I I have to go through with this and just kind of like, okay, just keep it through because then everybody's really going to look at me and they're going to be like, God, what's wrong with you? Like you, you can't even just like walk something through completely. So I was just like, okay, let me go through with this. But I could tell too, like the way he was slouched in the chair, the way he would slouch, the way he would drift off into a distance. He knew it wasn't right either. He didn't like even, even our vows, like even our vows was just Did you get like, it from a notepad? No, the <laughs> worst part was 
because the pastor was going from like a Christian a Christian perspective and he was quoting from the Bible. He literally stood there and said, I don't even believe in this. I'm not going to say that wow. <laughs> in front of everybody. Just so, to go off topic for two seconds though, from when you decided that you two were going to get married and the actual wedding, how, what was the time span? Uh, <laughs> probably a, up to a week. Okay. To I just wanted to confirm that. <laughs> and you know, the reason, and you know, the reason why, you know, the reason, the reason why he decided to finally get married is because I finally started, you know, about the Tony Gaskins, right? Tony no. Gaskins. So basically Tony Gaskins is this great guy who tells you about like, you know, it's like he gives you the guy codes. He tells you the signs of how guys behave, why they behave the way they behave. This is what you should look mm -hmm. out for. And this is how you should treat yourself and value yourself as a woman. So I started implementing, okay, you want him, you've been with this guy for so long, you want to marry him, but he's not giving you anything in return. So what do you do? You stop giving. So you stop giving and you start taking away, like, as in not like taking away, like denying him, but just stop doing so much. So I stopped doing everything. Right. And I decided like everything, like sex, everything was held off the table. And I said, no, you know what? I, and then I'm going to, I told him, I said, I'm going to walk away and I'm going to leave. Cause I'm tired of this dysfunction. I'm taking my, my kid. I'm taking me, I'm taking everybody. We're leaving and that's it. And, and you can live the lifestyle you want to live. But if you'd like to live a proper lifestyle with me, these are my requirements. These are my expectations. And that's it. And I'm not going to be bargaining with you anymore because this is absolutely ridiculous. So at first he thought I was calling a bluff. But when he realized I was serious, that's when he was like, okay, 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 let's get married. Let's get married. But I thought to myself, oh, wonderful. He finally mm -hmm. wants to get married. But when I read back into the books, right, and I read if a man is quick, quick to kind of say, okay, okay, let's just get this over with, but not do the work, such as the therapy, the counseling, to build the foundation back. He was only doing it to see if he still got game, if he could still get me. So he mm. pretty much sacrificed Manipulation his tactics. Right. So he sacrificed himself, went through an entire marriage, knowing that he didn't want it, just to see if he could still win the prize, win and get me. That was do all- think do you think that he really resents you for, for that? Or like at the end of the day, he has to know that he decided to try to do that to, a, to just like please you. But like now he, it's like almost a track record, right? Like, like sometimes I laugh because I feel like me, you and Dan, we feel like we're still 15 and I don't know, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you ever like really take in that our friend is divorced? Like, I feel like when you no, see married people, like, I feel like when you see people who are married and they say that they're divorced, it just feels different. Denise is like, just kind of feels sometimes like we, I know we make a joke out of it, but sometimes it feels like, wow, she's a divorced woman. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like maybe it's just, Maybe because it was all just like doesn't feel like it, it should have happened anyways. It doesn't feel like a real divorce anyways because we didn't really see the marriage as real. Yeah, I think because it went by, it went through too quickly. But it's like when you hear the word divorce, um, it feels like it's like I can align it with like people who go through bankruptcy. Like taboo? <laughs> 
the top, the capital B, like the scarlet letter, you know, the mark mm-hmm. that you're going to have on you where it's like, oh, once you got that letter on you, it's like you're scarred for life and you're on the shelf. Like and you think nobody- people judge you for it? Yeah, like you'll in in the beginning, I thought that like I thought, oh, they're going to judge me. And that's why I fought like even though it was 18 months, but that's why I sat through to try to really like grind my teeth and bear it through. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, So you you essentially did this for other people to yeah, like look I, at you and be like, oh, she's married and she yep, did it. Yep, she's 100 percent. I lived my life for other people and I lived my life for an image. That was it. That that was and like, yeah, my whole entire life. And I think too, it kind of, again, how you're raised, like what you do in your adulthood is based on how you're raised in your childhood. Mm -hmm. So I've battled for years with how do I look physically? What does my image look like? How is this? If I do that, that's going to look stupid, whatever, whatever. And people will sit down and say, well, that's pretty dumb, Den. Like you've done some dumb mistakes. So obviously how can you care about image? Mm-hmm. But like, because sometimes it's like my mind battles between not really giving a crap, but still trying to hold an image. And I think it goes back to my childhood where my mother would raise me as we don't talk about what goes on in our house. Whatever arguments your father and I have that stays locked in our home, you put on a pretty dress, you make sure your mm-hmm. face and your hair look good and you walk out there and you smile for people. If you're going through hell in your home, you smile. You smile and you don't tell people nothing because it's nobody's business and you can't be judged. So I took that and I took that through my whole life. I took it through my entire marriage. So it's like to the point I'd be like, no, put on that golf shirt, put on this pants, go get a haircut and let's walk out there and you smile for these people because we got to do this because we did this. We got to get through this mess. So you better smile. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the battle till it reached a point where he started to then do whatever he wanted to do because he knew my vice, like my vice. He knew, he knew what he could do to, to hurt me or to like, kind of like shut me up because he'd be like, come on, I can do whatever I want. I can walk out here and come back in at five o'clock in the morning. I can leave for days at a time and you're not going to do anything about it because you wouldn't dare divorce me because you know, your image means everything to you and you don't want people coming back to you telling you, I told you so. Right. And, uh, yeah, I just, sorry, this comment is always the comment that sticks to me through life. But um, it like we talked about with the toxic relationships, it's, he was so, he could do manipulative things, but it also was like a control because you cared about what people thought. And I just, I'll never forget when you said, he said, come on, Dan, stay with me. Look at those stretch marks on your stomach. Nobody's going to be with you after those stretch marks, but I will because I made them for our child. And I thought, what kind of dirty, nasty, but it, it could not even be like intentionally to hurt you, but it's like, let me see, like Denise really cares about how people think. So like, ooh, if I plant that in her head, then she'll just have to stay. And honestly, that comment forever, it's like, I just see his head and that comment floating on top. And I'm not discounting. I'm sure you said some nasty shit to him because I know you could be nasty when you used to be angry. (laughs) I know you probably tore away and I I, I would have sympathy. I, I know, you know, you guys could, I always forgive, you know, I forgive a little bit too much, but I used to say, well, then, you know, maybe. And, and I just know you probably tore away his manhood made him feel like 
low grass beneath your toe. I probably did. And I'm sure you guys both contributed, but that's the one comment that I was like, wow, wow. That's, yeah, that's why I think right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's why I think when like I look at it now, I take I don't like to say, oh, it was 100 percent his fault. I take ownership for the the things that I like my my words or how what I contributed to the marriage. I take full ownership for it and I forgive myself for it in order for me to move forward. But um it had reached a point where like I was so like exhausted mentally, physically, and I'm an emotional eater. So when I knew like it was really starting to be like really break me is the point where I would leave work every day and literally buy six cupcakes a day. And then I would, yeah, yeah. And I would feed Zara two of them. And every day we'd go, it's time to go and get more. And I was like, this is it. I'm done. Oh my <laughs> God. It's so brutal. Yeah. 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 Definitely yeah. takes a toll. Oh my God. If you guys could see us right I know, now, eh? Denise is shedding a tear. Boo, boo. It's a very rare occasion. <laughs> very rare. But you can see like, Literally, when you talk about things out loud, and I, I, I said this earlier when I was on Instagram, when you speak about things out loud that you've been through later, but it's coming out in conversation, you're like, shit, wow, that happened to me. Like, it sounds yeah. so much different when you speak about it later. Mm-hmm. But sure. it's like, you can, tr- it's like triumphant. I don't know if that's the word, but like, you look and you're like, damn, but like, I made it through that. And I'm not there anymore. Right. And even when he like begged to do therapy and counseling, I didn't even want to take it because I like, I just knew, you know, when you know a person is just never going to change. Yeah. Yeah. Never. I didn't even want to take it. And like, how is it now? You guys, like we know, but like for the listeners, you guys still talk. And how is that? Um, In the beginning, it was total resentment on his part like a lot of blame he would not he would not like even if i tried to do things like just talk to him respectfully for our daughter try to co-parent he would purposely he would purposely do things to affect that co-parenting relationship and i think that's why a lot of people stay in relationships because they feel like I don't want to have to go through the process of co-parenting and then maybe one parent will walk out of the child's life and then she or he never sees that parent again. But it's more damaging if you stay. It's more damaging if you stay in it. Well, you said of this example too, like your kids are watching two parents that are not loving or talk to each other a certain way. And then that's what they think is normal. So when they're in the dating world, if a guy you know, has no respect or it doesn't hug their wife or kiss them every night after dinner, then they just think, well, this is the norm. But like, we don't realize we're painting a picture of what they should like look for in their future. Yeah. Like if I had stayed, I would be teaching my daughter, like you date a man that if he has a bad temper tantrum, expect that he will destroy your home. And all you have to do is just, you know, sweep it up quietly and clean it up and then just walk on eggshells for a bit. And then just, he'll be normal again. That's not normal behavior. You, you can't, that's not normal functional behavior. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I would be doing a major disservice to my daughter if I stayed. 
that would be like a major disservice to her. So I had to go and leave. And, and you know what? It's not easy. You're going to endure financial hardships. You're going to endure emotional hardships. You're going to endure physical hardships. You're going to have to literally rebuild yourself brick by brick by brick. But when you, but you can rest assured that as long as your anchor is your faith and you have the patience and the time to rebuild brick by brick, you will have a stronger house and a stronger foundation and more of a mindset and and sight and vision to see what you're deserving of and what you want. Yeah. And I think like your support system, right? That's another huge part because I know rough times that I had in my marriage. I remember um, a certain person saying to me, man, if I had the support system that you have, I would have walked away a long time ago. And it's sad because basically she's stuck in something for over 25 years now that she stayed in because of fear of not having the support to make make a decision for herself. And that's hard too, because like when your kids have to see you every day, weak emotionally, it's it's not a good place for nobody. Yeah. But but I but I also I'm not a person that condones, you know, if I don't know, if your spouse throws his clothes and laundry on the floor, that's means for divorce. Like I don't, I don't believe in crap like that. That's yeah. worth building. You know what I mean? How long do you try for until you decide that it's time to wrap it up? Um, I believe. How many, tr- how many tries do you, do you do? Well, I mean, from things that I've read, I believe that they've like a lot of things that I've read. They say you, you continue to try when you choose to marry that person. As long as there's no physical abuse, mm-hmm. mental abuse, any type of abuse or degrading that person or degrading the individual, you you stick into it. You stick into it till the end and you keep evolving and you keep working. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I think if it's- It's if a it's, forever thing. If it's, uh, especially too, I don't think there's a certain amount of times to try per se. It's more so you got to think of your limit. So like- your healthy limit. Like if, if you're losing sleep and you're having panic attacks and you can't, you can't eat and people are noticing changes in you that's affecting your health, that's an indication that it's probably closer to the end. But like, I think you also have to think, well, what would I want this person to be forgiving of me about? So like, if there's something that they, they're doing if you can maybe find the equivalent of something that you do, it's all about, I think, workability. But if it's like one person's putting up with way more than the other and the, the scale is like dramatically tilted, then it's time. But I don't know if there's a certain amount of times because I think if you think about it as your kids, right? Like how many times can your kids do something that really pisses the shit out of you? But like, unless they are, you're coming home every day and they're, lighting fires in the living room like you're not gonna you're not gonna say to your kids all right i quit you like i'm out yeah no 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 no, no. yeah i was like thinking like just when do you know when to pack it in because like marriage i guess there's so many ebbs and flows of like good times bad times i just think you know when you know yeah and also too like prior like things that i know now if i ever get married again um I know to set up what are my like, what are my boundaries and what are my um, non-negotiables? Yeah. What are my non to make that list? Because when you have 
when you have it's like it's like you're going on a trip you're going on a road trip like marriage is a road trip right it's like mm-hmm. it's kilometers you're going to be driving would you go on would you go on a road trip with no map <laughs> Would you go on a road trip with no GPS? You'd never yeah. do that. You just burn gas all day and just drive mm-hmm. around for the hell of it. It would just be mm-hmm. so stupid and pointless. But when you go to like the premarital counseling and then you go to like the self-development and the self-work for yourself and you identify what your non-negotiables are and what your boundaries are, that's your mo- that's your roadmap to, to life, right? Mm-hmm. So it's easy for you within yourself to know when you're at your breaking point and when you feel things are worth fixing versus when it's not worth fixing. So I agree with what you're saying, Pam. There's no, there's no special number like the yeah. five times and then that's it, the six times. Because what what I may look, what I may see my neighbor who's married and I look at their threshold and I say, that's yo, that's just too much. They they may look at me differently and say, well, your threshold mm-hmm. is a little bit too little or yeah. too big or you yeah. But that's just what works for me. And that's my definition versus my neighbor. Yeah. So what's one takeaway you can give to our listeners right now that if they're if they've recently gone through or thinking about going through a divorce, what's one takeaway that you could give them in a sense for um just feeling like okay and how to get through it or or your biggest learning experience from all of this? Um, not to be so hard on yourself and to know that, you know, like you're not just because you're just because you're going through a divorce. No, the first, no, you're not, you're not going to mess up your kid's life. Like your, your children will be fine. That's the first, that's the first thing. If you have, if you are married with children, again, we, we seem to think that children are non, not resilient and they're not strong enough to face things and handle things and handle life. I mean, I'm not trying to say, yeah, like put our children through burning fires. Don't worry, they're resilient. (laughs) But things such as, you know, you're going to end a marriage or you're going to go through a divorce. Try to understand that your children will be okay. And also be, be that great role model for your child in terms of never speak ill, ill, ill about their about their their parent yeah. you know that's one thing I know I don't do I mm-hmm. never I may I may come to you guys and talk about how I feel but I never I never ever talk to my daughter wrong or bad about her father mm-hmm. and basically another thing too during that journey your child is not your friend and your child is not your confidant it's mm-hmm. not it's not their business to yeah. know your adult business. Yeah. Too many times when you're going through a divorce, a lot of parents like to take the burdens of the adult burdens and the adult situations and burden their children with it or use them as pawns or scapegoats or and place yeah. them in the middle of a situation. It's not their business. Yeah. yeah. If you need it, go go get a therapist, go get a counselor, or go get a good group of girlfriends. Yeah. Don't bring your yeah. kids. That's a good point. So uh, before we wrap up, yeah, I I come from split parents. um, And I would say, yeah, that's one good thing is my parents. um, I mean, my my, my mom surely probably said some stuff about my dad. And I've heard my dad tell me stories about my mom. But one good thing I would say is she always made sure to keep us in his life and with involved with his family. So 
And I think that's huge also, right? Because I'm biracial. If if I didn't, I wouldn't know anything about my black side. But um, she always made sure to make sure that we were connected with their family and our cousins and extended family. But to everybody listening out there, I know this is our story and your story may be different and maybe you don't have that support system. And we don't want to make it seem like any of this is easy. But if, um, you know, we just want you to leave today just hearing this story and knowing that somebody out there went through something similar and they're okay. And if you don't have a girl gang or you need a support system and you have Instagram, feel free to reach out to us at Sheer Therapy. We are here to be a part of your girl tribe. And if you have any questions or you want any resources, like we're here and we're here to help we're in Canada, but I'm sure together we could be there for you guys. So again, we hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode about divorce and knowing that just because you're divorced, that doesn't make you who you are. Um, so we look forward to seeing you guys next week for another episode uh, in the hot seat with Sheer Therapy. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Hot Seat, a Sheer Therapy podcast. We hope you enjoyed yourself and can't wait to be with you again next week. If you've taken anything away from this today, it's to live, love, forgive, have faith, and always have a glass of wine and your girls. We can't wait to be with you all again next week. See you soon.